0: okay you all good let's do it hello and welcome to the b2c lead generation podcast you're listening to the b2c lead generation podcast my name is daniel Howell here with Simon the lady and this is episode 86 why are my leads bad quality it's a very simple question but i think it's something a lot of lead buyers ask so in today's podcast we're going to look at why they face this problem and then uh hopefully we'll look at some solutions to it as well. So um Simon, let's just begin with begin with that title. Uh someone listening to this who might ask it themselves why is someone's leads bad quality? So there's a
1: few different reasons for this, um, and we can run through them as part of the podcast. Um so one of the first things I'd say is expectations. So everyone wants to save money, they want to pay like a low CPL, they want you know, as much money or return of investment they can get, which might be seen as I can buy cheaper leads. But unfortunately, this can often mean that you're buying marketing qualified leads and treating them as if they're sales leads or um, opt-in leads, which are basically the consumer doesn't even know they're going to get a call, it's like co-sponsor or, you know, there's some things that you see now, which aren't even sort of, well, I guess they're co-sponsor on like single form fills, like you'll have a broadband question, that data then gets sold to like 20, 30 other companies. Um, And people say, oh, you know, the data's not converting. And it's like, "Eh." did you seriously expect to convert when, uh, you know, they don't even know you could be calling them or, you know, they're expecting Mm -hmm. an email, like um, these expectations, can be a big reason. I think you know you're you're buying one thing and thinking you're going to be able to turn it into another, and it's just not going to work. It could be that you're set up for that sort of um, lead buying, I guess. Uh, and you know you're working to very low margins. Um, like the slightest fluctuation of that will mean that um, you know it's the difference between loss and profit making, I guess. But ultimately, it's all to do with the expectation around the lead and how it's going to perform.
0: Yeah. And as well as you were saying, it made me think kind of um, that idea is bad quality. It's kind of subjective and it sort of also depends on who you're asking. Like, you know, I, I, the obvious sort of uh, differences between like sales and marketing, they may have very wildly different views on what is actually a bad lead or not.
1: Yeah. Well, I think this is, you know, it's um, exactly marketing can think that it's generated a great lead and they should be getting great conversions um but the uh you know sales team are experiencing different things but i think uh, another reason i'll give you why it happens is um fraud effectively that um you know if you're buying leads and let's say they're driven from affiliate networks or um you've got a bunch of publishers and then they're feeding out to networks and i've literally just got off a call before we started this podcast to talk about his very issue where someone was complaining about, you know, why am I getting all these clicks and I'm not seeing any conversions? And we just dug into um, the reasons and I suspect there's some fraud behind it. But a lot of fraud that comes in from form fills um, like this, it looks like real people, right? So there are mm-hmm. like these leads will, some of them, you can stop a lot of them, but some will always get through. So you could put every sort of you know fraud detection, you can do all the bit verification, everything, and the lead will still get through. And the thing is, that isn't necessarily the lead generator's fault. It's the person who's in control of the form and sending the leads to a buyer, it's the traffic that's being driven to it. This stage of the fraud comes before that. And it's either a bot that's submitting this data um or a click farm or you know, someone with a big long list of data that's just like, you know, creating a script and inputting it and it's feeding a lead in. But the impact of that is felt in the sales function. It's just, you know, low conversion rates. You know, you can tell it's bad data and what actually happens, it becomes more like just calling them the opt-in data that we mentioned, because it's, you know, as long as it's a live telephone number, it's a real person, it is their data, fraud's been committed, you're getting that data and you can usually tell it because it's like it'll come from you know, what should be high intent leads, and hmm. it turns out you know no one's interested. So, but the thing is, you know, depending on the terms and conditions you've got, and depending on how quickly it's noticed, how much of the total amount of data it takes up, you know, is it even picked up or not? These are the problems it can cause. You um, just speaking, of,
0: you mentioned something the other day. i way You said this was in Slack or something. Um, but the idea that a lead is bad quality, it sort of depends a little bit on the time frame. like the lead might be good quality initially, but it might become bad quality the longer you leave it. So I think what you said something along the lines of is it bad quality or when you bought it? Or does it simply become it because of how it's been handled?
1: Yeah, exactly. I think the phrase was good leads can become bad leads in the wrong hands. That um, was no, it, yeah. And yeah, so the, uh, there's two things in this, I think. So one is, and time could be one of them, if you know, there's no appointment being booked and the lead just needs to be called really quickly and someone's let it decay and they've called it like you know, two or three days later or hours, whatever, their conversion rate is gonna go down. Um, the other is that the sales team, so the actual agents that these leads are being delivered to aren't well-trained. They don't know what sort of data it is some other issue that they're going to have with that data. You know, it's not what they expect it to be. And it's going to start harming conversion rates. Um, And the other is the sort of customer experience that the lead receives. So if you're buying leads from a lead generator as a lead buyer, there's a marketing effort that's basically happened, which has explained, you know, what the solution is that you're selling, you know, the pain, the benefits, everything. Does that actually align with what's happening with the sales team when they receive the lead? Because if it isn't, it just actually creates a really disjointed process that the lead is going to be less likely to convert with. And this is why I find it really interesting that you'll find lead buyers not scrutinizing the exact wording and, you know, does it match? what we're saying and the same vice versa. And in fact, the call I was just on when we were talking about, um, I'll briefly tell you entirely what it was about. They were getting loads of clicks and there were no leads. And so um, I know the guy well, he contacted me and said, what do you think this is for? Cause we're hosting and building his landing pages. He's driving traffic to it. It's being sent off to a buyer. And he's like, I've got all these clicks, um, I'm getting these people moan at me for saying that we're not generating leads. So we dug into it and I was like, it's just fraud. I think, you know, they're uh, sorry, it wasn't fraud. It was banner traffic. These guys are driving banner traffic. It's not, he thought it was an email list or even thought it was from Facebook. I think but it was turned out it was banner traffic. Um, but then he said, um, I'm now sending the leads to the client, but I can't, Differentiate myself because I constantly go on to him, you know, you need to build a niche or, you know, you've got to build your own brand and whatever else. And so I was like, well, one of the things that you could do to sort of make a difference is do you understand the conversion rate, like, or sorry, the conversion process that the lead goes through when it goes into the sales team? He's like, no, I don't know at all. I was like, do you know how quickly they contact them? Like, no, don't know. Um, do you know what they're saying? What products they're talking about? What the main benefits are or the solutions or the pain points? I haven't got a clue. I just know they're the client. I put it in the privacy policy or you know, in the opt-in statement. I was like, look, you can buy yourself a massive march on 99% of other lead generators for exactly this reason, because nobody does it. What you need to do is understand exactly what the sales team is going to be saying, the process this person is going to go through, you know, why they'd work with this company is a well-known brand that the leads were going into. And you've got to get all of that up front in the ads on the landing page, so it creates this seamless transition from the point that the person first sets eyes on the ad to the point that they actually become a customer. And you're instantly going to see, you know, marginal gains in your uh, marketing efforts in the lead generation. Um, and what's happened because of that, because he hasn't, unwittingly or unknowingly, both of them, this is a lead buyer and a lead generator, have just created this disjointed process. Why like, doesn't he even know what they're saying particularly? He's just looked at the website maybe, and he's like, oh, you know, right, no, it's not life insurance, but let's imagine, it was. There. it's all the same, it's all life insurance. They might have a really unique thing that they're doing, or, you know, they might have a really differentiated way that they're approaching a sort of problem that people face. Um, so this... Customer experience I think is a really unexplored area of bad leads and where sales teams and marketing teams mm-hmm. or lead generators need to work together um, on it. And you know, this idea of it being a sales team problem as well, this, that that is, is a marketing and sales problem.
0: Okay, um, before we move into sort of looking at some of the solutions for this, um, are there any more problems or any more reasons
1: that might have bad leads so verification is just a simple one right like the leads need verifying and they're not being simple solutions you know you need to verify a telephone number make sure the names are correct addresses email addresses whatever um so that can always be a problem of why you're buying bad quality leads if you're not verifying leads just don't be surprised if you're buying bad quality leads basically um the other is the world has changed. And it's changed immeasurably in the last I keep saying two years for COVID, but you know, we're approaching in March it's going to be three years, isn't it? Um in the UK. Um so the last two and a bit years, the world has changed immeasurably. You know, one of them has been, you know, that they think the sort of digital world has been driven forward five years, for example, where everyone's doing online shopping for their grocery and stuff now, whereas it used to be nowhere near that. Um, Another is, you know, are people answering the phone like they used to? Are people responding to sort of messages that they don't either understand, know who it's from? I know I don't, right? Like, you would not believe the amount of messages I get, like, you know, emails, messages on LinkedIn, text messages, calls, I just ignore 99% of them. I'm like, I'm oblivious to it now. I'm just so conditioned Mm. to ignoring things because I just get so much like hammered at me constantly. Um, uh, You know, I I can't be a sort of unique person. Well, no, you must be similar, but you know, and so-
0: Yeah, um, for sure.
1: Are these bad quality leads? It depends why you're considering they're bad. You know, it people not answering the phone. If you're calling them have you tried something else because people just don't answer the phone like they used to anymore and this idea that people used to have of you know you'd have call centers in india and things generating leads and they'd always be older people the leads that they generate and they'd feed them over to the uk and it would always be people like i don't know 65 plus the thing is now 65 not that old anymore right i see 65 year olds going out jogging and things you know in the next 20 years so when I would have been expecting to retire in the past, that's getting pushed more and more forward. People, I suspect by the time I get to what would have been retirement age, I'll be, you know, well, I hope for not to be, but unless I love what I'm doing, which I do, um, you know, they'll be asking people to work until they're 72. Like people just don't answer the phone anymore that like, you know, you might have expected to in the past. So are the bad quality leads, actually the world has changed and the methods that you're contacting them via don't work anymore. Mm. Um, I don't know that to be the case, but I know that people dance that. I know I don't answer the phone. I know that, you know, contact rates, um, can be going down. So I think maybe it requires more of a sort of multi-channel approach, um, you know, trying different contact methods possibly.
0: I think um, there's always two two ways of looking at this if we try and like review what we've discussed so far. On the one hand, it's maybe they're not by quality leads, maybe the quality leads that are being mishandled. Um, and I think, yeah, we could do a whole podcast on on that in terms of uh, changing our perspectives, managing how they are handled when they come in, different things like that. But that's not. I guess that's more or longer sort of a, approach to it to this. Um, but on the other hand, simply the ones that are bad quality leads, um, you know, uh, that aren't as good. For the people listening, can we just do a just a quick roundup? Um just uh, we've sort of touched on a few things, but the things that people who are listening to this can do, go away, take home, and just sort of write a list of I'm checklist of ideas they can do to ensure that other than sort of handling a different way or whatever, um, they do as much as they can to ensure that only the good leads are going through
1: so if we just go through the points that we mentioned so number one is expectations i think it's it's really important to understand the intent behind a lead um like incredibly important almost one of the most important things you can do um because it's that that determines whether you're likely to make a sale or whatever the successful outcome is it's you know that intent the the person's interest in your product or solution. Um, you know, so if you are buying leads with low intent and hoping that you're going to somehow be able to like convince them to have high intent, it's just not going to work. So it's, it's really important to be clear about the intent um, and then also create a sort of baseline approach to that, which is what is the minimum acceptable uh, conversion rates? By intent channel that you would expect, and the thing is that probably needs to be taken as an average um, across different channels. So, if you're buying leads from and know, PPC, Facebook, TikTok, um, affiliates, and native, most lead buyers might not even know that the data has been collected from those different channels. And so what they get is like a blend of it, which reaches a mm. um, a total conversion rate of I, don't know, I say fourteen point three percent. And then a new guy comes along and he starts driving leads from uh, I don't know affiliates, and his conversion rate is nine point eight. And you're like, well, that's way below the benchmark average that we have, which is fourteen point three. But if you dug into the sources, the granular sources of data, you might discover that your benchmark for affiliates is actually seven point six, and mm-hmm. the PPC, which made a twenty-five percent of your traffic, was converting at thirty percent, and just massively over-indexing what the average was. And this is why you can't really just create an average overall conversion rate. You need to understand it by channel because typically different sources of or different suppliers might major in different areas that they're going to be driving leads from. So, you know, someone might major in PPC, someone else is doing Facebook and they'll have different conversion rates and they have different conversion rates within the ads of that as well. Um, And so you can only really set these expectations by understanding all these different nuances um, within it, because if you're not, what happens is you're potentially just removing leads or rejecting relationships based on this overall benchmark which is unrealistic on the any given mm-hmm. channel if that makes sense
0: no for me it's i think um this you know we discussed a lot is this idea that you've got to get really granular with tracking this you know you've got to understand not just the sources or it's like even the sub source the sub sub sources to really identify
1: that specific areas are actually lean to Yeah, and I do hardly anyone ever does that, right? It's like it's, and the thing is, I reckon so many relationships get burned as a result of it because they're not there. There's like an unrealistic expectation of conversion rates, which is being driven by either like the desired outcome, which is unachievable in ninety-nine percent of cases. Or um, it's like, you know, best source is doing X, why can't you do that? And obviously, if your best source is PPC and someone types in the keyword and they give me life insurance right now, um, it feels like that should have something on the end of it. But uh, yeah, it's going to be significantly better than someone seeing an ad on Facebook, for example, and it stopped their scroll of looking at cat videos or whatever. you know, the conversion rate is going to be higher. There's that's, that's just no two ways about it. So, you know, if you're going to ha- set extremely high expectations, you've got to ex- uh, accept extremely low volumes. <laughs> it's, probably, it's probably the best way of putting it. <laughs> um, that's, a good, that's a good point. Fraud, uh, um, you know, you, the, I, I think this is why feedback is so important. Um, Everything we do seems to come back to those five points that we raised, and it? it's like this thing of tracking and feedback and verifying and qualifying. But um, you can only spot it by sort of in the moment because if you wait a week for reporting or you know, catching up on like accepted figures or whatever, the damage is all going to have been done already. So, the, the way to stop fraud, fraudulent leads, which is why you know you're buying bad leads, which isn't necessarily. Um, the fault of the lead generator is the traffic that's being driven um as a result they can't operate in a vacuum so you need to let the lead generator know there's issues you know like declining conversion rates and and it's the same with like tracking at a granular rate if you're just looking at conversion rates as a whole from all the traffic you're buying from 20 suppliers or something imagine you have 20 suppliers feeding in it might not even register that one of them's got like massively declining Um, conversion rates so you need to track each one individually that's how you stop it verification is fairly simple you know even if it's being verified at the front end verify when it comes into you as well all the contact details absolutely everything you can um and just drive the leads you know that being verified um sales teams problems you know i'm not going to go into the Training of sales teams because I'm not qualified to do that at all. There's far more people better qualified, but speed is a key thing. Um, appointment setting could be another idea if you can't rely on speed. I don't know, some technological problem, or you know, I don't know you've got agents that can't respond that quickly for whatever reason. I almost insist on start booking appointments, and if you can't book appointments, send texts. Um, to the leads coming in and see if, uh, you know, that can make a difference. The customer experience, you know, is the front marketing end out of whack with what's happening with the sales team? Um, That requires just communication. It needs, you know, almost like brand guidelines from the sales team or, you know, Mm. whatever it's going into is like, look, this is what we major in. This is what we talk about. These are the problems that we say we solve. This is our unique advantage. you know. This is our differentiation. If you can incorporate this into the marketing, we're going to create a far more seamless experience for the um, the user. And obviously I'm imagining here, this is people buying leads from lead generators, right? If it's a sales and marketing team they are internal, you'd hope they'd be doing that anyway, right? Um, and then no one answers the phone anymore. Um, I think this is the same sort of thing. It's text, email, Booking times that people could answer the call at, um, you know, I, I, again, there's people better qualified than me talking about dialing cycles and you know, month on, month off, month on, and you know, amount of times per day and whatever. Um, but I'm a big advocate for booking, you know, especially for reasonably high ticket items. If it's just something like, I don't know, throwaway, there's no point. But if you're Paying, I don't know, 50, between fifteen and sixty pounds per lead, mm-hmm. and the item is going to be, you know, thousands of pounds potentially. Um, that's a consultation, right? Like, you should have a specific mm-hmm. time that it gets booked in at. Um, and so, I, I think that's a, a a really good way to um, to actually do it. And the, and the last thing would also be on the fraud stuff is. Um, and I do this in all affiliate channels, is do a double opt-in text to the leads when they come in. That can either be initiated by the lead generator or the lead buyer. When you receive a lead, um, you know, click this link if you'd like to speak to an advisor um, about X, whatever the wording is, and only at that point does the lead submit. That is great for intent, and it gets rid of a lot of fraud as well. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's a, yeah yeah a strong point actually in touch on the foreground um yeah like we said at the start though um is a question that gets asked a lot um why am I leads by quality so hopefully um hopefully we've answered that today and also as well as just answering it and agreeing with the problem hopefully we've thought of a few things that people can implement to come up uh to try and solve it and uh you about the leads and move upwards. Um, cool. That was episode 86. Why are my leads bad quality? Thanks for listening to the B2C Lead Generation podcast. Be sure to hit subscribe to hear more from those at the very cutting edge of the lead general world.